0: To have you here on this Tuesday, and what better way to welcome you back with a little Pearl Jam? I and and as the the teaser said, I do tell it like it is. Sometimes you don't want to hear it, but I but I tend to just say it. Uh, but I want to say it about an event that is really supposed to be all about inclusion, but it has left a very very bitter taste in the mouths of police officers everywhere. So during this uh, year's Pride Parade, the activist group Black Lives Matter, which is not really an, a group that has come into Hamilton. But they certainly have splinter groups, and I do see them coming into communities kind of right across the country. Well, they, they were not only honorees of this event, but they led the Pride Parade, and then they hijacked it, blocked the way for 30 minutes, and then they demanded Pride officials meet several demands, including the most egregious, which is that police are not welcome to take part in the parade. In fact, they don't even want them policing it. I mean, can you imagine... An event that is not only watched around the world, but draws as much, you know, as many as a million people not going policed. Especially after Orlando. I mean, I can't even imagine what could go wrong. We don't need police here. So for whatever reason, and, and Pride has tried to, to suggest why they did this, and, and don't forget these are taxpayer-funded. This is a taxpayer-funded event. They agreed to this extortion because that's what it was. Um, and it's lit a real firestorm. Cops have been cast as the enemy by an absolutely lawless group that screams racism at anyone who challenges them and has turned this, this pretty cool event about inclusion into one about exclusion. Interestingly, a Toronto officer, uh, Chuck Krangle, posted an amazing open letter in response to this. He was a former soldier, and he became an officer about four years ago. And he said, and I won't read you the whole thing because I don't have time, but he said, you know, I can, absolutely, I can say with absolute pride that my peers and my employers senior management, have never made an inappropriate comment to me. I've never been made to feel discriminated against. So he went to Pride for the first time on Sunday. He was on duty, but he says he was overcome with what he saw. And he said, you know, I'm not speaking as a police officer. I'm speaking as an individual who saw his first Pride only to be excluded from the next. I want to bring in Ross McLean, former police officer, crime specialist, now security expert, pal of mine. How are you,
1: Ross? I'm doing good, Alex, and, and I really like that you brought in speaking with about what that officer had to say about how, what pride meant to him. Well, this is um, a so guy that- this is a
0: guy, Ross, who, who stood on the front lines of battle, stands on the front lines now, and he's being tell- to, you know, told by a bunch of hateful activists, "You're not welcome here.
1: Yeah, let me, let, me tell, let me tell your listeners uh, something as well, Alex, that they may not know about the Pride Parade and how the police cover it. The Pride Parade is covered by the police on a voluntary basis. What they do is they put out an appeal uh, a year in advance, and they say they're looking for officers who are enthusiastic, who support the event, who want to take part in the event, who want to police the event, who feel that they'll have the aptitude for the event to be able to do it. And so a call goes out all across the force, the entire force, to find officers who want to volunteer to do this. Now, remember, this is a long weekend in the summer, a Mm -hmm. coveted thing for anybody for getting time off, right, for covering this sort of event or working it. So many of the officers who apply for it are there because, just like you gave the biography of this officer, just like there are other officers who felt that they were trailblazers on the uh, LBGT path within the police, just like there are officers who have Who maybe have children who who are gay or in that situation, or they have other family members who are gay in that situation, or they have friends in that situation. They want to go there, take part, support, and really be a part of moving this thing forward. Those are the officers who are there at the Pride Parade. They feel part of it. They want to be there. They're proud of it. And they're being told, you're excluded by this uh, stink bomb of a group.
0: Well, look, there's no question Black Lives Matter uh, have actual grievances. I I understand that. I'm not a fan of the tactics, but there are issues like carding that need to be addressed. I'm just not, you know, I I don't think this was a forum to do it. And I certainly think, you know, it made an event about inclusion very divisive.
1: Oh, oh com- completely, they're divisive. And, and let me say this. Uh, when it comes to this group, I don't really have a lot of respect for them, Alex. I know that some people, and you know, as you just even said to yourself, oh, there's some issues that they're good on that they cover that they talk about. But let me say this this group is like taking an apple that's 10% good and 90% rotten, and you're supposed to eat the whole thing and say it's all okay. You have to take this group in context with what they do and what they're trying to accomplish here. And what they really did was they just gave a black eye to the city. I mean, listen, this, this, this was being looked at. This parade all over North America, people come for this parade to go do it. It's a big time. We just had... 49 people gunned down for being gay mm-hmm. in Orlando, uh, in that club. Really, people who were being murdered for, for their lifestyle and what they were doing, they were being celebrated there for this group. And this group has the nerve to stand up and say, and, and you listen to some of the things they say, Alex. I heard the one person say there, we're doing this because your group is anti-black. You're You're racist, basically, you people here at Pride. Because we have... They extend their arguments to this. We have queer, transgender, anti-black men being abused and killed in this city all over all, over, all, all the time. And I'm looking at them saying, hold on, did I miss those stories yeah. where, where that was going on? Well, there, I think, it's, it, I sure it, there's an issue the in the United States
0: story. with that kind of uh, violence. But but you're right. It's it's not something that we see here in Canada. Ross, I'm going to get you to hold on here because I want to go to the phones and I want to talk to Melvin. Uh, and I'm not sure, Melvin, if you are a member of Black Lives Matter. We did reach out to the organization, but you have a comment.
1: Yeah, I do. I I, I found it the whole thing appalling in, in many, many ways.
0: Are, sorry, are you with Black Lives Matter or are you commenting no, on them? Okay. No, I'm just
1: commenting okay. on them. I'm not with them at all.
2: No. I'm just
1: commenting on the fact that the gay, lesbian group, which I support, whatever you want to do, I, none, none of my business what they want to do, any group. But they didn't stand up and defend the police and rise up immediately and say, this is absolutely wrong. These are the police force. They've been helping us. They're a part of it. And we, we're united with them. We can't let one group supersede over another group and tell another group what to do. That's what they're all about when they protest. You can't tell this group what to do or this group to do We're all supposed to go together. Be one massive group. Sure, that's what we want. That's our goal. No group should have any more authority over another group. Never. And that's how you how it works. If you don't want to play it that way, I don't think it works at all. Any of it.
0: Yeah, and you make a great point, Melvin, and I thank you so much uh, for yep. calling in. But Ross, let me ask you because I don't look at this as just a generally a Toronto police officer, even though. The initial, uh, you know, debate started about Toronto carding. But I think this is this is, you know, this affects every cop across this country because it's becoming harder and harder for them to do their jobs when they're constantly being accused. And I'm not suggesting police officers don't make mistakes because they
1: do. No, you're absolutely right. The police are not feeling supported. They haven't felt supported for a long time in this city. We've seen the, the provincial government turn around and basically call them racists, saying there's systemic racism. They're going to start holding uh, meetings across the province now to talk about uh, the systemic racism that we have in our society, Alex. Now, they're not going to define what systemic racism is. They're not going to say, give proof of it. They're not going to call anybody racist, but they're going to hold these meetings. And as this, uh, your last caller uh, said there, Thank sure. Look, at the Pride should have stood up right away and said, after this, are you nuts? The Toronto Police are our partners. We're not cutting ourselves off from them. I mean, Joe Warmington wrote an article today that's in the paper saying, well, where's the mayor of the city on this? Why is he not coming out strong? Why are the councillors not coming out strong and supporting the police on this instead of all sort of sitting on their hands and going, oh, well, I guess we'll see if they stay in or not. You know, the police are not feeling very well supported when they're doing everything they can to support this event.
0: Yeah, interestingly, I mean, look, the reason Black Lives Matter gets conversation started is because they're getting what they want they show up to the premier's house and then all of a sudden the premier is agreeing to meetings with them john tory the mayor of toronto also agreeing to meetings with them and then you know pride putting them front and center on this parade putting them on the world stage and what do they do they turn around and stop stop the the parade now pride has come out and said we have no intention of fulfilling this but the optics of pride's You know, head guy, uh, you know, standing up there and clapping along with it. And then, you know, becoming part of the theatrics, signing away on it. It it sent a terrible message.
1: it's, it's all upside down. It's 1984. When you can walk up to that crowd, and Alex, I know you've covered this city. I know that you've covered actual instances of racism. I know that you've covered uh, horrible uh, murders. I know that you've covered uh, the pride issues for a long time. And I know that you're a dispassionate person who will sit and look at it, and you will call it for what it is when you're doing it. I think one of the last things in the world you can do is look at that pride organization, that pride parade, and look at them and say, you guys are anti uh Inclusion? you guys are anti-black. I mean, I think that's one of the last groups you could look at to say that.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it'll be interesting to see what and and how this changes the complexion of this event. Um, you know, it, it's gotten an awful lot of attention right across the country. But I'm wondering, you know, for policing, what is it going to look like moving forward? Especially when the province, as you said, has called these meetings on racism. It's almost as if we're creating a new narrative that uh, Ontarians are, are just going to be forced to, to, to accept that apparently all, all, we're all racists now.
1: Well, I mean that's it. It, it. It's about messaging and the police do not feel supported. We we do have this change in carding. You've seen that our homicide and our shooting and our stabbing rate has gone through the roof. I'm going to tell you that as they move forward, I've talked to police officers in the greater Toronto area, certainly in Toronto. I've talked to senior police officers. You are gonna see that the police are gonna have are gonna be following the rules that the province is laying out for them. They're not gonna be engaging, talking to people who they're supposed to be talking to, because they're gonna be called racist and they're gonna have to fill out cards with complaint forms on them. So you're going to see this continue to spin out. And it's going to be because this is what the province wants to do. And, and, and once again, I like to see the province define racism, and I like to see them define systemic racism. They're not going to do that because they're happy just to look at the boogeyman. Same as Black Lives Matter is, everything that they look at, they see racism, mm-hmm. anti-blackness. It doesn't matter what you put in front of them, Alex. Put a park bench in front of them, and they'll say, well, there's no black people on there. That bench is anti-black. Yeah, I mean, there's just no end to how they go with stuff. Yeah, it's interesting,
0: uh, and I I agree with you. Uh, I think we're a long way off. Uh, I think this has actually just, just gotten started with this group. Uh, Ross, I've got to let you go on that.
1: Thanks very much for having me, Alex.
0: A pleasure. Ross McLean joining us. He is, of course, a former police officer, so he understands these issues. He's a crime specialist and a security expert. But interestingly, you know, Ross points out That it doesn't matter what you say. And I have found myself, uh, and we did reach out to Black Lives Matter, and did. They're always welcome to give their point of view. And I'm always welcome to have that opinion. But I've I've been attacked myself. I'm apparently a racist because I disagree with some of their tactics. I, I disagree that all whites are racists. That makes me, a white girl, a racist. And one person who found herself under a firestorm, and I think, you know, I follow her on Twitter and she's getting barraged every single second by a pylon of activists who are saying terrible, terrible things. And she was at the parade and has spent the last few days now defending herself. It is Sue Levy, writer for the Toronto Sun and, of course, investigative columnist with Post Media. Hello there. Hi. And a fellow yeah, Hamiltonian. How are you? I don't think people know that you are actually from uh, Hamilton, Hamilton area.
3: I am from Hamilton.
0: Good on you. That's, what, that's where you get your spirit, Sue
3: I grew up in Hamilton. Yeah, we're <laughs> tough, aren't we?
0: Yeah, we. Well, you have to be because you were marching in the parade with your wife, and yep. um, you had the nerve to speak out against uh, what happened with this sit-in. And the comments that are going back and forth are, are quite a, are quite something. Well,
3: they actually Black Lives Matter, Alex, have called in all the reinforcements from the state. It's quite amusing, actually. Uh, I have had some uh, very pretty hateful tweets from uh, as far away as new mexico uh california arizona um so uh they have a very well let's just say or well orchestrated campaign um and i would say a campaign of hate um and certainly from what i saw at the parade on sunday um you know and i was just listening to your previous guest ross mclean who i know um you know you can't say anything uh, without being labeled a racist, you can't dare criticize them and have an alternate
0: point of view. So what was your point of view? I mean, I did read your article. I mean, y- you kind of just pointed out that that it was inappropriate.
3: Well, it was not only inappropriate, it was rude. And, and I mean, here's the thing. They were the honored guests at the Pride Parade this year. They had already had a platform, uh, Black Lives Matter. They were at the front of the parade. they got you know right near uh justin trudeau kathleen Wynne, all the politicians and why didn't they use that opportunity to educate people with placards uh by talking to the crowd because it is actually very easy to interact with the crowd I've marched in the parade now since 2009, and it's very easy to talk to them. But no, they had to call, cause a ruckus. They had to stage a sit-down, and I think it was well-planned and planned beforehand, and I would even venture to say perhaps planned with pride. Um, you know, and uh, I, I have no no evidence to prove that, but, you know, it certainly seemed very staged the whole thing and they chose to sit down at an intersection at college and young and uh, present a list of demands to the pride organizers including some very very controversial ones uh, i would say disgraceful ones um, about not having any police presence in the parade from now on whether it be for security reasons or on floats, or marching alongside, and there are gay police officers. Um, So, you know, and I was way back with the LGBT Tories, lined up to march, and we had people... Uh, along that route, that stretch of Bloor, who were disabled, who were seniors, we were standing in the blazing heat. Lisa Raitt, the a cabinet minister in Har- um, Stephen Harper's government, fainted right in front of me. In fact, Denise, my wife, fanned her down. Um, so there were people who were compromised by their 30 minute stage in, which I might add was done in the shade.
0: Yeah. But but here here's where I mean, and you'll be able to comment on this because you've dealt with them, the city officials, the provincial. I mean, I feel like they've kind of allowed this to happen and set the bar so that, you know, activists like Black Lives Matter can essentially come into any event now that they want, call racism and then be able to act badly with no repercussions.
3: Well, let's talk specifically about this group and how they were emboldened by city officials. Um, and it's a case of queers against Israeli apartheid all over again, who hijacked the parade for five years, and finally, due to pressure outside pressure, certainly not uh, with respect to the political will of the bureaucrat or the will of the bureaucrats or pride officials pride officials had nothing to do with getting Mm -hmm. them out of the parade it was pressure from outside groups so here's where black lives matter uh were emboldened by city officials number one they were named as uh to get an award an access and equity equity award from the city um and that was voted on this past week by john tory mayor john tory's hand-picked executive committee no one batted an eyelash about that. And the other thing was that they were named as the honoured guests in the parade. And I don't happen to think that a group that calls police murderers, all police murderers, yes, they may have some issues with the police. I fully agree with some of their messaging. Uh, I don't agree with their tactics. But a a group that calls police murderers that uses these kind of tactics should have been honoured guests in the parade in the first place.
0: And certainly not a taxpayer-funded parade. Uh, no, Anne, I'm just and it's
3: political correctness gone mad, absolutely gone
0: mad. Which is pretty much every day now. I want to keep you on the line because we want to go to a phone call from Pamela who might have a comment or a question for you. Hi, Pamela. Hi, how are you? Great, thanks. What do you have to say about this?
2: Well, I am a black woman, mm-hmm. and I have been following this Black Lives Matter, and I don't feel that they speak for me as an individual. I've been carded. I am 50 years old. I was carded when I was 16 because they were looking for a runaway. Mm-hmm. But it's ways that they're looking for somebody. Police need to be able to do their jobs, and I think that Black Lives Matter undermines everything about how we run everything in this city or in several different cities. Black Lives Matter is just tearing down Um, A lot of of what we've already received and gotten as far as people and as black people, I just feel they're making us go backwards. Look at what they're doing in America. They're not doing it nicely. Mm -hmm. They're doing it very ignorantly.
0: Yeah, and, and Pamela, you make some excellent points, and I thank you so much for calling in with that today. And Sue-Ann, I think I think Pam speaks to a large community that, that is is silenced in this, where they yes. feel like, you know, we fought for this, we've moved forward, and this very angry activist group is taking us backwards because they simply want everyone to somehow be penalized, uh, you know, for moving forward. Well,
3: and, and, they, as, and she, she's right on point, I mean, because they do not speak uh, for uh, most of the black population, I don't think, feel, in this city. And certainly, if Black Lives Matter... Alex, then why aren't they speaking about black-on-black crime in this city, about poor Candice uh, Michelle, uh, Michelle Robb, who was gunned down in her car uh, back in May, uh, pregnant, lost lost her life, and the baby eventually lost its life. Why aren't they speaking about impoverished people in Toronto community housing um, who live under fear of uh, drug dealers, afraid to come out to the lobbies of their apartments because of drug dealers? Um, Why aren't they advocating for those people?
0: Yeah, no, it's a very good question. Or why aren't they questioning, you know, in the communities, the vulnerable communities, uh, the crime, uh, you know, the gang violence that we see? Why don't they ever come out and speak on that? And it's not just Toronto. It's in in, in all sorts of jurisdictions across this country.
3: Yeah, and I asked them that question yesterday on social media, and they called me a racist. That was their response. I'm a racist for suggesting there's black-on-black
0: crime. Right. Well, that, but that, see, that that term is, is a, a very elegant way of, uh, a very, sorry, ignorant way of, of shutting down debate. I mean, once you call someone a racist, I'm, what, what, what's a white girl like you or me supposed to say back? You know, like, honestly, what can I say back? I'm a racist. Well, I'm used to it, Alex. I've been called an
3: Islamophobe. I've been yes. called a racist. I've been called a self-loathing lesbian. You name it. I've been called all kinds of names.
0: Well, I still call you a friend. <laughs> Even though you got all those titles, but uh, I know better. Well, we'll see where this debate goes, Sue Ann. I don't think it's over, uh, and I fear that that you know this is just sends a message right across the board that no matter what you want to do, what no matter what event you want to hold, it can be hijacked, um, and demands can be made and they'll be met.
3: Very, very dangerous precedent has been set. And, I'm, you know, I'm calling out to John Tory as well, our mayor in the city, because he has been silent on this. And I think that uh, he should be... I challenge him to step up to the plate, and I will be writing about that for tomorrow, and say something about what has happened. He sits on the police services board, Alex. Yep. Um, he should be uh, having the police forces
0: back on Sure, this. absolutely. And I agree with you, and I thank you so much for joining us, suanne on this issue. And I agree with Suanne and I'll, of course, read about that. And I think it's important that, you know, the mayor of the biggest city speaks out so that mayors across the city, in smaller jurisdictions, including Hamilton, then have someone at their back when this happens in other communities. So thanks so much for calls on that and your comments. I appreciate it. You're listening to The Scott Thompson Show. I'm Alex Pearson. Coming up, we're going to find out why are Ontarians considered Islamophobic? Did you know that? Did you know that you're Islamophobic? We'll talk about that and a lot of violence around the world, what it means here at home. I'm Alex Pearson. We'll be back right after your news.